Welcome to That's Awesome ID. My name is Leslie Early, and each week I will be speaking with a different guest and learning about one thing they think is awesome in the field of instructional design. Okay, today I have the instructional designer, Dr. Luke Hobson, here with me. And thank you so much uh, for joining me, first of all. Of course. Thank you for having me. Um, would you like to take a couple of minutes and just kind of introduce yourself to listeners, tell about yourself or about your journey in instructional design? Absolutely. My journey is a really weird one too. So I won't try to take so much time, but my name is Dr. Luke Hobson. I also say the doctor title in there because there is a famous actor named Luke Hobson. So if you Google my name, he pops up. So it's like, all right, I have to beat this guy in SEO. I'm like, how am I going to do this? So I ended up taking the domain name of the full Dr. Luke Hobson. And that's why my website is drlukehobson.com, just a little behind the scenes thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, you also earned it. I mean, anyone who has a doctorate, I mean, you, you've earned the right to be called Dr. Luke Hobson. Oh, so. sure. But the, the first couple of times I said it, I'm like, ah, I don't like that. It's kind of <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want people to think I'm stuck up or something. It was just the, it's the way that Google works. So, you know what, that's, I'm just wrong with it now. It is what it is. But as far as for my career for everything for education, I started off as a lab assistant, actually. I went for my bachelor's in graphic design, my master's in marketing. I was a lab assistant the whole time, actually, for a digital music course, which is interesting. Mm. I ended up teaching the music course afterwards because the professor retired and moved on to something else. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing this and going for my master's at the same time, I was always working with an academic advisor. And I had a fantastic relationship with her. She was absolutely absolutely awesome and was really helping me in a variety of different areas who I wanted to go for my career. And it just so happened at that same time that Severn New Hampshire University has now become this massive online school. And back then it was really just starting to grow and they had a position open for an online academic advisor. I was like, ah, that sounds awesome. If I could do the same thing that she's been doing and make an impact on all these students' lives, like I'm in, sign Mm -hmm. me up. So I applied, ended up getting the job for there. And I was a undergraduate and a graduate academic advisor, helped up thousands of students over the years, which is so cool to be able to speak with them and email them and hear them about their challenges, uh, celebrate their wins with them, support them a variety of ways. And from being able to do this through all these online courses, it got me more and more interested in the online learning experience. I was thinking Mm -hmm. like, wow, how cool would it be if I could transition into learning how to build and design these online courses? So from there, to make a long story short, I ended up becoming the creative resources manager for them, taking my graphic design, academic advising abilities, and kind of combining them to design online learning communities and different resources for peer tutoring center, the writing center, eventually transitioned over into instructional design for Northeastern University, did that for a while, and then now I transitioned over to MIT as my title was a program manager, which is like half instructional designer, half project manager, to keep it simple, I say ID. And that's what I'm still doing today. Yeah, so you're here to talk about um, higher ed. So you have quite a lot of experience in higher ed. And I mean, you're at MIT now, but um, how how long has it been actually that you've been in the higher ed world? Oh, geez. Uh, combining everything from lab assistant, advisor, ID, and all those other roles, it's probably about 10 years in total. Yeah. 10 years? I think it's about 10 years in total if you add all the jobs I've had. Mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, clearly you like it because you you're still there, and yeah. I don't, you probably plan to stay there. That's the plan. Yeah. That's the plan. So, what is it? I mean, I have zero understanding or knowledge of what an ID position in the higher ed world is like, like especially oh, sure. like on a day to day. So, like, I'm just curious about you know what you like about it, what's kept you there so long, why you feel like you're going to stay for even longer. Sure. Well, the entire concept of education is just something that I am just so passionate about because the, the greatest gift you can give to someone is education. And if I can be a part of that in any way, any shape, way or form or size of that one, if I'm a part of that purpose, then like, you know, sign me up. That's that's all I want to do. And whenever I am working with somebody who um, like a professor or a SME, it's kind of funny, like I have a script for explaining what it is that I do because mm-hmm. well, now as far as for with higher education, since remote learning and emergency learning has happened, many people now know what I do. Before though, everyone's just like, what do you do? So every time that I'm in a kickoff call, like, you know, talking about a project scope and we're going around the room and introducing themselves, I always say that for my job, I understand how people learn. And then I mm-hmm. use this knowledge and I work with a professor like someone who, you know, we're just talking about. And that lets me to create a meaningful learning experience. And this leads me to designing and developing curriculums, resources, materials that all link to course outcomes, to competencies, and to skills. So my job really is that I get to be a learning nerd. Like this is really what I'm able to do is that I'm able to design these types of online courses that focuses on real tangible skills for folks. And then when I am able to actually interview them, speak with them, read about their testimonials online, everything that I design, they're able to to go into this one module, learn something, and then go apply it into the real world. Because I'm mm-hmm. focusing on professional development and higher ed in particular, too. That's kind of oh, like, okay. that's my sweet spot. It's, yes, of course, the traditional um, college student you would think of can definitely take my courses, absolutely. But really, I'm designing these for working adults who have kids and jobs and all these other different commitments. And how do I provide a top-level education for them to keep them super engaged? Because you have to be able to keep these folks engaged to retain this knowledge, this information, and really just make sure that what you're doing is not going to be boring. It has to be Mm -hmm. fun. That's the whole point of my job is to make sure that you are really learning about something that you find useful and that has a purpose. And that is really why I... Yeah, you know, I, I love what it is that I do. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, um, that does cross over a little bit, to, you know, that it, it has to be something that people want or enjoy engaging in so that they can better themselves or, or um, that it's immediately applicable, you know, and in, in, in professional development. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is sort of a crossover into the corporate world, but um, there is, there's a lot of crossovers actually. Um, I, and I learned more about this recently every other day too, because Heidi Kirby from the block podcast came on my podcast and we, we just talked about this for like two hours. It was mm-hmm. a, it was a two parter cause there were so many things to cover just talking about a similarity or a difference or what we're going through. And we ended up taking a job posting and just going down one by one by one of talking about the technical skills, the random other duties that we have assigned to us that we didn't plan on it, but it just kind of falls out of the sky. Uh, mm-hmm. The benefits and the perks. Yeah, there's a ton of different crossovers, um, as long as, too, as a, there's other things that you would never expect about the differences, but they're, they're definitely there. Um, and my role is kind of like a, I'm like a weird freak hybrid as well, too, because I also have plenty of corporate folks take my courses from a uh, higher education institution. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of get the best of both worlds as well. So 
Tell me a little bit about like the day-to-day, because I know there's some people probably listening who are considering transitioning into higher ed or an ID position in higher ed. So what is, what does that really sort of look like? If you can give a snapshot of, of what that looks like. So a, a typical day in my life, I will say, it certainly all definitely depends upon the day. But in my world, I will be working with the SME. But in this case, my SME is typically the, the, you know, the best and the brightest types of professors that I get to work with out there. And being able to really explain about online learning and how this all works because everyone has this type of a a preconceived notion or a perception of what online learning is, which is typically like, oh, it's just got to be a video, an essay, and a discussion board. And that's definitely not all there is to it. That was yeah. the traditional way back in 2000 when online mm-hmm. learning really started to, you know, get a bit of publicity. But certainly things have changed since then. So I will typically work with somebody uh, like this, being able to design everything as far as for the courses go, from practice questions, applications, reflections, building the content, uh, potentially for doing video recordings or shoots that day. I'm involved in that as far as for feedback, coaching, and guidance to make sure that those videos are going well. I'm also communicating with a lot of people too. As far as for with my role, I have to make sure that everyone is included in the loop with every step along the way of how a course is being designed from marketing to accounting to the multimedia team, like you you name it. I have to basically make sure that everyone's just um, in the know as far as for where the course design process currently is. And then for the courses that are currently running, as far as for the maintenance in the day to day, I am certainly working with students, answering questions, kind of doing like a customer support side of things just to make sure that everything is going well. That's a typical day besides the fact that I'm on like 7,000 Zoom calls now. Uh, which I wasn't before, but now that's my thing is, is constantly doing that. So that's a typical day of what my life looks like. And, you know, some days are definitely more video shoot heavy and other days are certainly uh, a little bit different. And it sounds kind of like you do a little bit of everything, which is kind of what I kind of do in, in my role too. So um, pretty much and there's new things that are also always popping up. So like something else that I'm going to be doing next, which is like something that I wasn't planning on, but actually this podcasting public speaking ability that I keep on finding myself in now is that I usually do these webinars for students where we kind of do the Q and A's and we walk people through things. And for the new marketing promotional material, I'm now going to be involved in that far more. So I'm going to be more doing the voiceovers, doing things like what we're currently doing on Zoom, but obviously make it much more professional and better looking and uh, polished. But now those skills have kind of come into play, which never really happened before. So there's always mm-hmm. something new. It's always like an ever evolving job. It's never the it same. Is. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask if you had, from your perspective, what do you think are pros and cons um, of working in higher ed. I mean, I know you don't have experience necessarily working in the corporate world, but just from your experience working in higher ed, like any pros or cons that come to mind? Oh yeah, a million. Uh, I could go on like a huge list. And I remember a lot of them actually from those episodes because some of them were things that I didn't even think about, which is why it's stuck in my head is that I had all these assumptions and then Heidi kind of blew my mind with some answers where I was like, wow, okay. 
but as far as for the pros and cons go, I mean, definitely one for the pro, which I've already talked about, is that the people who I get are SMEs are people who are really passionate about education. They love teaching. They love the learning experience. And now this is kind of my job to be able to take already their great material and craft it in a way that makes sense of how to learn about online. And by doing so, obviously, I am learning about just a million different things that I never thought I would. And now all of a sudden, I've kind of become like, in a way, my own subject matter expert of random higher education topics, <laughs> which has kind of been like a really cool pro about how that goes. And with all these courses, there is a lot of time, energy, and resources that are dedicated to making sure that the projects are on track and that they're going well. I think that was one of the biggest things that um, hearing from Heidi and her her stories is that sometimes you get folks who just kind of walk into your office and say, I want this right now. And you're like, that's not how it works. That's, that's not how a successful training program works or a course or whatever it is. And I have never had that problem before. Mm. All, all my years in higher ed, I've never had somebody randomly just knock down my door and demand something immediately because we know of that, like everything that I designed, there are so many months ahead of time. There's planning, there's research. And for all my courses, I conduct pilot programs before they're ever launched. So I never just launch something out into the universe and hope it's good. There is always something as far as me being able to collect data and information, interview folks, and really to see like how can I make it even better the second time, the third time, and kind of keep on going. Well, that's one of the things when I was listening to that, um, those episodes is that stuck out to me is that uh, it seems like in higher ed and with the courses that are being developed there, there's a lot more opportunity for iteration, whereas like in the L&D world, you're usually making something for a client um, or I, mean, I guess you could be doing it if you're an internal L&D department, but it's, it's more like we're, we have this training need, we're going to make this course about it or training learning experience about it, and then we're just going to put it out into the world and not really think about it ever again. Right, <laughs> so. right. And that's that, like, and as someone in higher education, that is like mind boggling. This is like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> the whole point of everything is that we're talking about making sure for assessment items. I'm always thinking about like how I design my rubrics. And I think about what's going to happen three months, six months, a year down the road, like there's all these different forms of evaluations, but I'm always thinking about of how to make it better every single time. And if I did that, like I would just give myself a heart attack being like, what do you mean? I'm never revisiting this course again like that's not how it works you know yeah yeah um all right well i think we're coming up on time here but um i guess again for those listeners who maybe i think i have quite a few listeners who are actually trying to transition out of k-12 at this time oh, so, there's so many folks yeah yeah yep, so yep. um do you have any advice for yes. for those people if you know if they're looking at higher ed as a possible career option? Absolutely. So what I would say to them, because uh, as you were saying, many people are doing this, is this, they're trying to transition right now. And the thing that I've noticed is that a lot of new people, they are gravitating towards trying to learn how to use a tool with none of the reasoning behind it. Mm. And the tool is not going to be the thing that gets you the job. Sure, an experience with something of a captivated storyline rise, you know, what, name whatever tool you want to say. If you have experience with that, cool. But 
in higher education specifically, what I am looking for if I was bringing someone into my team right now is really just talking about the learning design process, mm-hmm. walking me through it. You know, if you're going to show me a portfolio, the things that I am looking for is talking about the beginning parts of the project. What was your role on everything? What problem were you trying to solve? How did you conduct the research? How did you create the goals? How did you align things? What were your findings? You know, those are the things that I really care about more is you walking me through something every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Don't just show me a screenshot of a finished course. And I have no idea what you did. And I was right. like, great, I'm, I'm, this looks pretty, but I, this doesn't tell me anything about you, your personality, your beliefs. Like, you know, I have nothing. So that's what I wanted to say to people because every time someone talks to me about like, I want to become an instructional designer, the first thing they say is this like, all right, I just took this course in storyline. I'm like, cool. Like what made you think that that was the number one thing you need to do? Cause in higher yeah. education, the biggest thing too, is that we use learning management systems. Mm-hmm. So there are many times where you will never, ever touch a tool like that. It's mm-hmm. just a common thing that we probably have a multimedia team or we just hire freelancers or you know, whatever. I care very much more about your brain and thinking about all those different forms of learning and how to assess these items and really just talking about that learning experience to make it the very best it can possibly be. Yeah. And this is something I talked about with um, last week's episode with Amy Patricic is, um, you know, it's the iceberg analogy, right? Or like that floating in the ocean and like the top 10% is just like the tools you can use. And yes, you can show that you can use them, which is important because you do have to show that maybe not, um, storyline necessarily, but something, um, but the 90% below is like, do you have the learning design theory? Do you have, um, understanding, you know, the process, the entire process? Can you speak about that with confidence? And you have to have both of those things. Like you can't get away with just one or the other, unfortunately. (laughs) That's true. It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again so much for joining me. I, I've had a lot to think about here. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And if anyone has any more questions about what it is that I do or the podcast or anything, if you go to drglucopson.com, all my stuff is there. Keep it awesome. nice and simple. The podcast, the blog, and we have a new instructional design institute that launched last month, actually, to help out folks specifically in education about instructional design skills. So that is all just on that one website. You can go there. You'll find everything about me and what it is that I do. All right. Well, thanks again. And I hope to talk to you soon. Of course. Thanks so much.